Welcome back to the Noel Castler podcast, episode 63. I brought a craviola out today. I'll bet you haven't seen one of those before. This is actually a, a Japanese copy of the Italian guitar. I'll get into that later. But um, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming back. I'm doing this on Sunday afternoon. So we all know what's coming next, right? We all know what I'm going to be talking about. Something I've had to talk about on this show too many times. And here we are once again. Another white supremacist has murdered a bunch of innocent people. So let's, right at the top, let's dedicate this show to Pearlie Young. She was 77 years old. She was murdered yesterday, along with nine other people. Three others were wounded in a mass shooting. You know, something that happens all the time. Something that happened on Friday night in Milwaukee and barely made the news and happened after the shooting in Buffalo and LA, you know, but the one in Buffalo is the one we're talking about because it was the worst, you know, racially inspired mass shooting since the one we had down in San Antonio, you know, and it was like the Christchurch shooting, like so many of these shootings. These guys are groomed online. These are disaffected young white men and uh, they pick up a gun, an assault rifle that they have easy access to. You know, and they dress up like they're in the army and they go and kill people. And this guy was live streaming it. So it, it honestly couldn't get more heinous and it's hard to talk about. So, you know, God rest the souls of those we lost, you know, and God help those that are responsible. And that's what I want to talk about, because politicians on the right are responsible for this. Just the day before, Elise Stefanik had a couple of tweets calling Democrats pedophiles, saying the left are communists and all these people that are just trying to destroy you, you know, an us and them mentality. And this is Elise Stefanik, right? She's from Albany, you know, and north of Albany. She has one of the largest districts in the country, her congressional district, if not the largest. It stretches all the way up to the border of Canada. It's neighboring the district where the shooting happened. That's the 26th district in Buffalo. But you know, my point is she's a neighbor of this kid who did this, right? It's the same region. She ran campaign ads last fall on Facebook and in a local paper. They're talking about the great replacement theory. And that's what this guy was talking about in his manifesto, you know, thinking that the white people are getting replaced by immigrants. It's some evil plan of the Democrats, you know, to take over and God knows what, you know, but it, it, it can't happen, you know, and it keeps happening all the time and it's being condoned by a major political party. And these, you know, these these flames are being stoked by rhetoric that seems to go, you know, without any penalties. You know, the people like pushed back against her. A lot of other congressmen, Eric Swalwell and Ted Lieu and all these guys spoke out. A lot of commentators because her tweets were shocking on Friday and it didn't take 24 hours before people were killed. And, and, you know, 
and, and she's somebody, she went to prep school in Albany. She went to the Albany Academy of Girls, whatever it's called, you know, a fancy school. She went to Harvard. She hated Trump in 2016. She ran on the fact that she was sort of going to be a moderate centrist, you know, business oriented candidate. And now she calls herself ultra MAGA, which is what she said in one of her tweets on Friday. I'm ultra MAGA. You know, that's militaristic. That That's what's spawning this kind of stuff. And it's just, you know, it's beyond the pale and it's not it's not being answered in the right way. Like we're not really holding these people accountable. Hopefully Monday morning when you're listening to this, there'll be articles of censure introduced in Congress to censure her for her words. And she should get sued by the families of those that were lost in that supermarket because she instigated it. Right. Manson wasn't at Sharon Tate's house. He never killed anybody, but he went to prison for being a mass murderer because he was the head of the cult. And in this case, Trump is the head of the cult. And now he has all these surrogates that are doing his bidding. Right. And by the way, at the same time this shooting was happening, Trump was having a rally in Texas and he had Ted. What's his name? The douchebag from Michigan, Ted Nugent. He had Ted Nugent like opening for him. And Ted told the crowd, I'd like you to go out and crack some skulls of Democrats and these evil socialist communists. Right. Violent rhetoric happening at the same time that we had this shooting. You know, it's insane. And, and Ted Nugent is a sexual predator his whole career. There's a thousand stories about him attacking underage girls, you know, at concerts. His songs are all about having sex with 13 year olds and beating them up. When I was a kid, I lived in Vail for a little bit. A uh, kid like 18, 19. I was a ski bum for a couple of ski seasons. And I worked out there with a couple of guys from Traverse City, Michigan. They were my coworkers and roommates, and they were proud of the fact that Ted Nugent had like a hunting camp in Traverse City or something, a cabin. And they talked about how he would sleep with all the high school girls. They were like, yeah, my girlfriend had sex with him. You know, they were like, they thought it was cool, you know, and it was disgusting back then. It's even more disgusting now. Dr. Oz, you know, was bragging about his endorsement the other day and Trump's got him speaking at a rally. And this guy's, a, a you know, a sexual predator scumbag who never would have had a career if it wasn't for quaaludes in the 70s. And everybody was so high. They accepted a lot of really crap music. And he's a guy, you know, you could put on the top of that list. Right. But my point is, he was calling for violence at the same time violence was happening. And then Trump went on and mumbled something about, you know, in his term, nobody died in Afghanistan, which is not true. And, you know, they conflate everything, us and them. And that's the point I'm trying to make, because that's what's so dangerous about what's what's happening to our country. It's becoming this binary thing where if you're on the right, you're interpreting everything that happens through the lens of, well, that's the other team and they're wrong and they're just making this up or it's just mental illness. It has nothing to do with guns and racism. No, it has everything to do with guns and racism. And the people that are promoting it know it. They damn well know it, right? And they're getting rich off it. Tucker Carlson basically wrote the manifesto for this kid. He didn't really, but it was Tucker's words that were in that manifesto. You know, Peter Brimlow, who has a direct line to Rob, Rupert Murdoch and gets paid by Murdoch to be a consultant for Fox News, is one of the main proponents of white nationalism and that great replacement theory, which has been around forever. You know, Hitler used that. 
That's what the Jews will not replace us chant in Charlottesville was all about. You know, it's it's a dog whistle, not even a dog whistle. It's a dogma. You know, it's an ideology of hate and it's made its way into the mainstream. Yesterday in Pennsylvania, Kathy Barnett or whatever the hell her name is, had a rally with Doug Mastriano, who's running for governor and was at the January 6th insurrection and is a full on QAnon nut. So he had a rally and had Kathy Barnett, who's running for Senate in Pennsylvania, has been endorsed by Trump. Oh, no, Trump did Oz, but she's they don't like Oz. So she's like the more extreme candidate who's surging ahead in the polls. Right. So she has this event and the press wants to go cover it because she's surging and they won't let the press in. And they had dudes dressed up like Minutemen standing in the driveway, not letting the press come in like CBS News, like major press, Philadelphia Inquirer and stuff. So it's insane. You know, it's insane how low everything is sunk and how you're just watching, watching this happen, you know, before our eyes. And we're losing things we can't afford to lose, you know, and at the top of that list is those beautiful souls in Buffalo. You know, the woman we lost, Pearly Young, is being remembered today on Twitter. And, you know, guys are like, she was the best of us. She would hug me every time I saw her. She would dance every opportunity she got. She ran a food bank, right? And she would feed people in Central Park, which is a neighborhood in Buffalo. Every Saturday, she'd show up and feed people. You know, she celebrated life and she nurtured and loved those around her. You think you can afford to lose those kind of souls on this planet? You can't. You have to protect that. You know, and that's what's being attacked by hate because hate is afraid of love. They're afraid of that kind of goodness. And they're, they're, they're being manipulated by people that know they can exploit the kind of folks that are drawn to that crap anyway, because they're already so addled in their brains and misguided that they fall for this. And then their anger gets exploited online, you know, in this kid's case, and I don't want to talk about him too much, but. You know, he said he spent the pandemic like researching 4chan and all this stuff. And the guy who started 4chan and half of this QAnon crap is running for Congress in Arizona. That whack job who lived over in Japan. If you saw that documentary and then he and his father set it up in the Philippines to run 4chan, which inspired the Christchurch shooter and which is where QAnon was was sort of message boarding all of his stupid made up stuff, you know, so it's all tied in together and, it, and it's an organized movement in the way that the same ecosphere that, that's promoting this thing is, is affecting the same people, right? The MAGA people are hearing about something at a Trump rally that then it gets reaffirmed on, you know, a QAnon chat room on 4chan or 8chan. And then a bunch of gamers, you know, are talking about a bunch of racist crap in their online stuff. You know, and it doesn't take much to get these people that are already on the fringes of mental health and society to snap. And even more so if they're growing up in a house that's full of hate, that's listening to Fox News every night, that's listening to Tucker Carlson tell them this crap, you know, and they're seeing American flags on the Chiron and daddy's sitting there pointing at the TV going, damn right, you know, and then they want to be something big with their lives. You know, so they buy a gun and they get a magazine, they put on a military uniform and they commit murder and the GOP doesn't do a damn thing about it. 
right? They don't try to stop it. They don't disavow the politicians that promoted it. They just attack the left more and say they're trying to take your guns. We should take everybody's fucking guns. Let's be real, right? If you're cool with a gun, you're not going to be worried about that. Because, you know, in reality, no one's really going to come in your house taking all your guns. But an 18-year-old shouldn't be able to walk into Walmart and buy an assault rifle that can kill 10 people in five minutes. You know, and it's always the white kids that get brought out gingerly in handcuffs and they take them to Burger King afterwards. That was a person of color who did that shooting. He wouldn't have been walking out of that place like he was, you know, and that guy will go to prison now and join the white Aryan nation and the prison guards will love his ass, you know, and that's the worst case scenario for him, right? The best case scenario is he becomes a Kyle Rittenhouse and gets to speak at CPAC conferences with flames behind him and pyrotechnics and gets offered jobs by Matt Gates, you know, and Madison Cawthorn. They celebrate psycho killers in the GOP right now. That's not hyperbole. That's literally what they did with Kyle Rittenhouse. He got to go to Mar-a-Lago twice. He's been there for fundraisers, right? A kid just like that, a young white teenage boy who had access to firearms who killed people in the name of MAGA and conservatism. You know, it's disgusting. It's a sickness. It doesn't happen in other nations to the extent it does here. They don't allow Fox News to broadcast in Australia and the UK and parts of Canada because they know it's poison. And they've already had to deal with mass shootings and outlaw assault rifles. So they don't want some idiot like Tucker Carlson on there every night promoting the great race theory or separation theory. Right. It's a white supremacist channel, you know, that's owned by an Australian guy who's making bank sitting on his super yacht with Daryl, you know, not Daryl, <laughs> with what's her name? Jagger's old wife, you know, Hall, Jerry Hall feeding him grapes, as I always say. Right. It's all cynical. Like these dudes live on six, Ave- you know, work on six Avenue and go back to, you know, classic sixes on Park Avenue. And they're not down there in Alabama hanging out outside of Cabela's or Cabeza's, whatever the hell it's called, with these bros that are flying MAGA flags on their trucks and stuff. They don't want any part of that, but they'll sell it all day long. And it's not a free speech issue because they're getting paid for it. They wouldn't be saying it if there wasn't a ton of money in it. They're saying it because they get paid for it. you know. And that's why it should be illegal because they're profiting off of a deadly product. Right. How long did we let tobacco companies sell tobacco? We still do. Right. But how long did we let them do it with impunity? When I was in high school, they had Joe Camel, a cartoon character, and you'd get camel bucks. You know, I started smoking at 13 or something, 14. I smoked for 25 years, 20 years. You know, I haven't smoked in a few years, actually, you know, this time around. But and I like smoking. But my point is, like, that shit was everywhere. And it was horrible. And these companies got rich because they paid off politicians. And you look back at it now and you're like, that's insane. I was allowed to smoke in high school. They had a smoking courtyard. Like, that's nuts. You could smoke on planes into my 20s, right? So someday we're going to look back and say, why were we letting Fox News broadcast on military bases, you know, and in red state airports and dental offices, you know, in public areas? Because they're brainwashing these people. 
You know, the FBI did a report in 2016 about how much law enforcement was infiltrated by these white supremacy groups. And they sent the report out to police departments all over the country, but they had to redact the names of the people that they knew about because they didn't want the cops to tip off their buddies because they knew so many cops were falling for this kind of stuff that they, they, you know, they didn't want to give them a heads up that they were looking into these groups. That tells you everything you need to know. And that was in 2016. And that report was the, the result of a 10 year report. So they started that in 2006, they started looking at that. And that's where it was in 2016. Now we're in 2022 or whatever the hell it's called, right? That's what it is, right? 20, 2022. And look where we're at. It's mainstream. Elise Stefanik is quoting it in her ads. People are running for Congress and Senate holding big assault rifles. Dr. Oz was holding a gun, just like the one the killer used in his ad to be a senator from Pennsylvania. How is that normal? It's not. That would never happen in another country. But we're allowing it to happen now because of lobbies, because of fear, because of money, because so many other people make commissions off of the wealth generated by something like Fox News. You know, I got a buddy who's an anchor at Fox News. You might be surprised to hear this. I'll tell you the story. Let me take a sip of coffee. He's a decent guy. He's not a racist. He came from a local Fox affiliate. He does news on the weekends and stuff. He's not one of the personality names who's doing the opinion. He was a legitimate news guy. And I talked to him about this all the time. And he was there, he's been there like 20 years. He said it was never even like this under Roger Ailes. He told me that all the staffers and producers on shows like Tucker Carlson and Tucker is the king of the heap over there, a king of the dunghill, you know, and like, you know, Hannity's a beetle who crawls up to the top, you know, like a dung beetle, you know, who's getting his getting his piece too. But 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 Tucker Carlson is the king, right? And Tucker Carlson has all these producers that are white nationalists, you know, kids that are raised on this online hate, and they just research all day long like the most outrageous shit because they know the viewers will get all pumped up over it, right? It's as cynical as it gets. And he was like Roger Ailes, you know, who's a scumbag, scumbag by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not defending Roger Ailes, but I'm saying even Roger Ailes wouldn't have accepted what it is now. There's no like adults or editorial supervision left at that network. You know, it's just a cynical little prick, you know, from Trinity College with his maniacal little cackle selling poison every night and making bank off it. And he'll probably run for president. You know, I'll get into that stuff in a, in a little bit. I talked about it in the car rant, but, you know, Tucker's in a position of massive influence in this movement, you know. He's probably, you know, he could make a lot more money staying at Fox News than if he ran for president, but he could, you know, or he could hook up with a DeSantis or something or a Don Jr. who's trying to, you know, make his, you know, claim on the throne these days. He's now endorsing candidates and he's cutting commercials and stuff, campaign style commercials, you know, besides his little Coke rants and stuff. So any of those scenarios are dangerous and they'll be the end of democracy. You barely survived Donald Trump. You ain't surviving Ron DeSantis as president, you know, or Tucker Carlson or something. So it's pretty scary stuff.
it makes you wonder, you know, it makes you wonder like what's going to happen in these midterms, you know, are we going to be able to address this? Who are we going to run against one of these candidates? I don't think personally Trump is going to do it. He closed down his hotel this week. His hotel was like his compromise factory. I talked about this in the car rant, you know, Trump always had a place to get his associates, you know, to get dirt on him. When he owned the Plaza Hotel, he would have these Coke parties and he'd bring in the Trump model management girls and he'd, you know, tell some building assessor or whatever to go, you know, go in the back room and have a good time. And he'd be taping it, right? Filming it, videotaping it. And then he'd use it against the guy. So like that was his MO. He needs a place to collect stuff on people. And that's what he was doing. And also a place to, you know, pay him a vig, you know, to get him, give him his cut. That's why all the foreign nationals were staying at Trump Hotel DC when they had business at the White House. So the fact that, you know, they let that deal go, slip makes me think you know he's not gonna run and i never really thought he was gonna run in terms of he wants to be president he just wants a piece of it and the power so he can you know he can grift the entire campaign cycle and then at the last minute he can say i anoint you know ron DeSantis, who 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 in all reality may not need trump by that point this is just the scenario right this is the best case scenario in trump's mind he could easily be usurped and you could easily make the case that he already has been but he can do something like that strategically pull out around the convention time and they'll put somebody else in there or he'll say you know what i'm not going to run i'll let you run ron but you got to make don jr the vice president you know and then you'll get the full support of maga and you'll have a trump on the ticket so that's terrifying stuff and what is the flip side of that you know biden's doing a wonderful job in many ways Right. But it's hard to run against inflation and gas prices and all the things, things that they're able to pin on him that we haven't really found an effective counter argument to, you know, because we have an older sort of institutional guy who, who's used to a different kind of D.C. and a different kind of world. You know, it's like hand your grandfather, you know. Twitter or something, you know what I mean? Or it's like here, figure this thing, taking them to, you know, Coachella and stuff. And, you know, and he's <laughs> what's going on? What is this world I'm in? He's still hoping for a different kind of climate. And uh, we ain't going back to the way things were because Trump broke it. And that's what he does. And I'm not saying that Biden is bad. Don't misinterpret any of this stuff. I'm just saying we need a we need a younger, more like verbally dexterous candidate who can call out the bullshit like it is you know you almost you need somebody who can meet them on their level in a way right it, it, the the we go they go low we go high thing doesn't work you need a brawler in there you know you need somebody who knows karate verbally you know to deflect otherwise all those punches land and whether they're true or not people believe it i hear people all in the left all the time now saying to me well, Biden's senile, right? Biden has dementia. I'm like, no, he doesn't, right? But they say it enough and people believe he does. It was like the Hillary stuff, you know, or the Russia hoax. As long as he said Russia hoax for two years while Mueller dragged his feet. And let's kind of face it, that's what he did, right? He got too thorough, waited too long, and he got shut down by Bill Barr, right? And nothing came of it. And Trump was able to get the momentum back and survive it and survive a second impeachment for attacking the Capitol. And now he's still holding rallies for the next election as he did this weekend. 
You have to look at it plainly, just like that. That should terrify you. A dude like Trump should be in a supermax prison right now with a leather mask on his face, like Hannibal Lecter, you know, for the amount of suffering that he's caused this country. Dude, you know, had a million people die because he bumbled the pandemic. They didn't all die on his watch, but they died as of last week. And that's a conservative number. You know, a lot of those deaths weren't even counted because they came out in other ways and Trump didn't want governors counting them. So they weren't counting, testing people who died in, you know, old folks homes and stuff. You know, my grandma is COVID positive right now. I don't always talk about personal stuff. My mom, who's up there caretaking her, right? She's staying with my grandfather in Albany in, in Lee Stefanik's district and has been a caregiver. You know, my grandma's in a memory care facility and my, my mom's going to visit her every day. And there was an outbreak about a week after I visited her of COVID on her ward, right? And a bunch of these old folks that are already dealing with Alzheimer's and the confusion of that are now dealing with COVID. And my grandma's got it. Then my mom got it. So she's isolating in this small place, you know, at, at the, the, the assisted living place where my grandfather lives. Like it's, it's still a nightmare, and people are acting like it's over. And it's a nightmare because it was bungled for political purposes. Because Jared Kushner found out there wasn't a buck to be made in it. And by Easter of 2020, they'd basically given up. And Trump turned his briefings into just bullshit, like drink bleach and use ivermectin or whatever, just stupid thing somebody whispered in his ear, right? And, and actual scientists stood around, you know, like the chick with the scarfs. Dr. Burks and let him, you know, spew this nonsense. And now she's on a book tour selling a book as a million people are dead. Right. She got away with it. Trump got away with it. He's running for office. You know, if you were president and a million people had died because you had mishandled something, that's more people than died in the Civil War than died in the World War II. Not in the whole war, but you know what I mean? Soldiers. Right. 9-11 was, you know, 3,000 people, and it was horrible. We were losing that a day at the height of this thing, right? Through mismanagement, through avarice, you know, all Trump did was get a big stimulus package, you know, of COVID relief funds and PPP funds, and then kept them for himself and handed them out to his buddies. And now we're sort of untangling that mess. mess. You couldn't have anything more corrupt. And they're stronger now than they were then, right? There's more of them. There's 26 secretaries of state who have been replaced in states across this country that have been replaced and they've put a Trump person in there or they're planning on it. You know, the next person who's running is a Trump candidate, somebody who will throw the election to the GOP, to the MAGA, you know, next time. So you can say, get out the vote and vote blue. And for God, God love you, please do. I'm not suggesting don't vote, but we're not being realistic about what we're at. Mark Elias just wrote a, an op-ed in the Washington Post that addresses this stuff. Like you're not really being told the truth about how dire this stuff is. And I get that, right? Because it's just so overwhelming. You know, I haven't even mentioned abortion once on this show, which should have been the topic this week, right? It should have been all I'm talking about because it's probably the biggest political thing in our lifetimes, you know, besides MAGA and the insurrection.
but it's it's potentially much more <laughs> long lasting and serious if that happens, you know, and it looks like it's gonna, right? We're screwed. Women are screwed. It's a healthcare issue. And then they come for gay rights. And by the way, they have an assault weapons, you know, concealed carry case before the Supreme Court this summer, where they could say, it's, yeah, it's constitutional. Constitutional carry is how the pro-gun people try to frame it. They could say, yeah, we uphold the right for people to stick a handgun in their pocket and walk around. You put that on top of the nightmare scenario of this binary us is them, the left are the bad guys. Ted Nugent tells you to go shoot them. Dr. Oz is in the Senate. J.D. Vance, you know, Elise Stefanik, ultra MAGA candidates are stoking insurrection and division. And, you know, upstate New York, I don't know if people, you know, some of you guys listen to this from upstate New York, but like we, we're always sort of talk like all this stuff is in Alabama, Ohio or Mississippi or whatever. Upstate New York is as rednecky as it gets. Right. They don't have accents, but they live in the woods surrounded by trees and have pickup trucks and, you know, MAGA flags and all this. All of New England. I drive to Massachusetts a lot, you know, up through the Berkshires. You'll, you'll, you see these driveways and dudes have like, you know camps like it looks like a militia camp they'll have the don't tread on me flags out front or the trump flags all over their houses and front yards he built an army right trump built it alone you know with the help of you know fox news and and you know mainstream media cnn and all these people that salivated over him because there was money to be made you know they pretended to hate him and they did hate him but they made a buck they gave him the airtime Right. So now that stuff is everywhere. And if and if you have that matched with individual politicians in each state promoting it, sanctifying it, you know, making it the way and then you raise up another generation. Right. A whole nother generation is going to come of age to vote in this next presidential cycle. Nobody talks about that. You know, the 17 year olds now are going to be voting in the next election. So what happens to the ones that are raised on Fox News and this kind of hate, you know, and are reading the Daily Caller, you know, Tucker Carlson's online hate screed, which the whole thing was about replacement theory. You know, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. What's going to happen when all that bubbles up, you know? And then their, their fail safe is, is these corrupt secretaries of states that aren't going to certify election results. You know, you, you could slip into a civil war scenario, not like it's, you know, two, two sides in a field facing off, you know, and shooting at each other. But it would be like what we saw yesterday on Saturday. Right. A, a self-appointed, you know, white supremacist warrior. Fighting back. A Republican, Wendy Rogers in Arizona, already tweeted since the shooting, it looks like it's Fed summer in Buffalo. Fed is slang for the white nationalist soldiers and movements. That's an official politician. She's like a state senator or something in Arizona. She's already tweeting it. So when it looks official and you have a bunch of kids getting together doing it, you know, thinking it's the right thing to do and God forbid their parents are encouraging it. What's going to happen? You're going to have an insurgency, like a guerrilla warfare. And, and places like Florida and Pennsylvania will be gone. 
right? If, 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 if a lunatic becomes governor of Pennsylvania, they got a good governor now, but a lunatic takes over, Doug Mastriano or something, we're screwed. Congress will grind to a halt, as I always say, if you get 10 or 15 or 20 more, you know, Lauren Boebert's and MTGs and stuff, nothing's going to get done. They'll shut down the January 6th committee. You know, it'll all fall to, you know, what's his name, right? Merrick Garland, I know his name. I'm just being snide, right? But he better catch up. You know, I know people love to say he's hard at work. Well, he better start showing some, showing some goddamn results because it's going to be too late. You know, so that's a, you know, that's, that's scary stuff. I'm just kind of ranting here. Is that, that's what's happened. I mean, I felt like we crossed some kind of like Rubicon last night, you know, I'd been off, not off of Twitter, but I turned my comments off a couple of weeks ago because the Elon Musk thing, I didn't want to give these dudes a, a platform, you know, and I got so many hate fucking DMs from listeners and, you know, whatever followers, like so mad that they couldn't comment on my thing that I turned them back on. Right. So now I got to block a hundred people every time I tweet that are like, huh, you know, liberals are crying today. People have been so desensitized. They don't care about this shooting. It should offend every American, you know, but it doesn't because they get egged on by Elon Musk's and Trump's and these kind of guys that were, you know, You'd be looking at a flower as a little kid and they're the kind to come up and step on it, you know, just because you're enjoying something beautiful and they don't know how to comprehend it because they haven't been raised properly, you know, and, and I, you know, I'm not saying raised like in some kind of parental unit. I mean, taught value, taught art, taught humanity, taught empathy, you know, it's all I could do to not cry this morning. When I've read about Pearlie Young and all these others and, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with crying. I just, if I start crying, I wouldn't even be able to do this podcast, you know, but I feel like crying because it's scary. And last night, seeing it online, I was just like, who are we? You know, this is so far gone. We're getting so far in the other direction. We don't need an Elon Musk who's nothing more than a troll who's clearly mentally ill. He's clearly got a screw loose. He's not an adult. He's not sane. He's manipulating markets and he's getting these boneheads to go all in in crypto coin who are going to become even more disaffected because they're going to lose all their money. You know, that was an idiot's play from the beginning. If you bought it in 2017, you would have made some money. But if you bought it in January 21, you lost money. Anybody who bought it then and on since then has lost money on what they bought. The guy in El Salvador, the head of El Salvador, where they've repealed civil rights, just put, went all in on crypto four days ago. He sort of bought the dip and put a bunch of El Salvador's money into crypto. He has crypto Bitcoin like ATMs and stuff like it's insane. And that's going to lead to destabilization. You know, Bong Bong just won in Philippines, the son of Ferdinand Marcos. Right. Junior just won. There, Don Jr. just won. You couldn't have a more despotic person than Ferdinand and Imelda Marcos. I mean, the amount of suffering that they put onto the Filipino people, a beautiful people. I've been to the Philippines. I love Manila. I love the Philippines. I love the spirit. I love the culture, the food. Like, I dig that place. And they suffered forever. 
you know, and those guys stole all the money and they still haven't paid it back. And now their son is president. So things are not trending in the right direction for democracy, right? You had Mitch McConnell flying over for a photo op with Susan Collins with Zelensky this weekend. Those are the guys who let Trump off for shaking down Zelensky in his first impeachment. And now they're taking a fucking selfie with him. Sorry for cursing. You know, it's maddening, but they'll pull up the selfie in their next elections. Susan Collins just let women's rights go back to the dark ages. You know, she confirmed Brett Kavanaugh bullshitted everybody that, well, he promises me, you know, he's not going to repeal Roe v. Wade. That's like a snake telling you it's not going to bite you. So, you know, I don't even know what to say. I'm sorry this isn't more inspiring. It's just, you know, it's if if you if you look at trends and you look at the way things are going, we're in trouble, you know, and all these not distractions, but all these fires and emergencies that keep popping up. They're preventing us from tackling climate change, from tackling hunger and poverty and infrastructure and all these issues that we really My mic just went out. Oh, there we go. Um, so it's very disheartening. It's a very cynical time and, and your energy can get be, be sapped by these trolls. You know, online culture is really not a healthy thing. I know we collect there and it's where we spread ideas and it's where you guys hear about this podcast and stuff, but I'd give all that up in a heartbeat if it could help save one butterfly, you know, and feed one kid. And I'm not saying that mildly. I promise you, I'm not doing this stuff for me because I want some big career. I like to be funny and I like to do live shows and I love it to meet you guys and have you come out. But like where I can be most useful in life, that's where I want to be now. It's not about an individual career for me. It's about doing whatever I can with my voice to help because we all need to pitch in. This is all hands on deck time, especially with racism, right? Because so many of us live so comfortably like, yep. That said, he's a racist, but, you know, he fixes a he fixes a washing machine pretty good. So, you know, I kind of listen to his little jokes when he comes over or whatever. Right. If you live in the suburbs, you know about all of that. Right. Because there's a lot of racists up here. They've always been here it's in the city too. the cops. And, you know, we've all heard it as white people. We've met other white people that say some stupid racial thing and you get uncomfortable or you laugh or, you know, whatever you do. If you don't call them out directly now, you're doing a disservice to everybody. Now you have to say, stop. What are you doing? I mean, we all should have been doing that forever, right? But we didn't. You know, when I was a kid, you would hear all kinds of stuff like that. And I lived in a black neighborhood. You know, I lived with a, my mom had me at 19, was basically a single mom. My dad split when I was like four. You know, I'd see him in the summer and Christmas or something. But, you know, I was a little white kid in a black neighborhood, essentially, and they would bus us in to this nice leafy suburb called University Park in Maryland. And I'd go home and play with my white friends, you know, and I'd hear their parents saying all kinds of racist shit. And then they couldn't come back and play in my neighborhood because they're like, no, we're not allowed to go there. Right? You're like, why? We're all people. What do you think's going to happen to you? You know, and I've talked about it a million times. I saw Reagan come in and, and, and make it worse, you know, sort of declare war on the black community and lock them up 
And lots of white folks went along with that on both parties. Clinton was all about that. You know, Clinton made, I love Bill Clinton. I've worked with him many times, you know, but he, he screwed that up, you know, for his own political gain. So that stuff is not acceptable anymore. And we have to be all hands on deck to stop it, you know, because it's, it's spreading and it's everywhere. And people, you know, when their own self-interest and own economic circumstances get involved, they lose bravery real quick. They don't want to stand up, you know, and especially when it's this authoritarian, we got the guns, we're the tough guys, we got the big pickup trucks. It's all about intimidation. And Trump is not, in reality, an intimidating person. As I say, he wears a diaper. He's a drug addict coward. He's probably the most cowardly person you will ever meet. If you actually spend time with him and the dudes around him are like idiots, you know, he didn't have any smart people around him. I worked for the production company. People online will often think like you worked for Trump. Trump didn't sign my paycheck. I would never work for Trump. I worked as a freelance production talent guy who was hired to work on an NBC show. And I happened to get assigned to the Trump family for six seasons. And I observed stuff. You know, and, and I did stuff in the 90s on the pageants, but same thing. I was a PA, you know, in talent, talent departments. It was a job. It's like being a cameraman or something. I wouldn't go work directly with Trump. But my point is, like, they're not, these aren't tough guys, you know, they're selling the image of, of this tough kind of like reality. And that, can be intimidating when it's one-on-one -on -one in the suburbs, right? And there's a reason for that. That's, that's why they're, they're all sort of flying the flags and the stickers and the AR-15, you know, stickers on the back of their cars and stuff. You know, that's why the NRA tries to brand everything because it's all about fear and it's all about selling weapons, you know, to put more money in the pocket of gun manufacturers. None of this stuff makes us safer. We're probably the most dangerous you know, first world nation on this planet, you know, besides Ukraine right now, right? It's dangerous. I was at the supermarket yesterday, not in Buffalo, right? But 200 miles south on Saturday afternoon. And I came home and turned on Twitter or looked at Twitter. And that's, that's what I saw, you know, which is gave it even more kick in the gut. These people were shopping. People were bringing home food for their kids. You know, how many children were like, mom, can you get me that cereal I like? You know, and this was in a neighborhood that's kind of a food desert. And that was a new supermarket, you know, so everybody shopped there. Right. And I know what it's like to be sort of hungry and not have tons of stuff and a lot of extra money as a kid. My mom did her best. You know, I, I didn't you know, I didn't have the same insecurities as my friends, but I know what it's like to, uh, you know, to be excited that mom's going to bring home some cupcakes or some pop tarts or whatever it was, you know? So think of those kids out there, you know, looking forward to getting a nice meal, you know, on Saturday night. And then they get a phone call that, you know, grandma's dead. Daddy's not coming home. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking and stunning and should not happen and does not happen in other nations, but it happens here regularly. And we've lost the will to do anything about it politically. And that's unacceptable.
you should be outraged. You should have been outraged 20 years ago, as I'm sure all of you were when Columbine happened. You know, 2012, Sandy Hook. I drive by there all the time. It would break your heart how many MAGA flags are in Sandy Hook these days. You know, in Newtown. I'll be in Danbury tomorrow morning when you're listening to this. Doing something. Getting the Volvo tuned up. <laughs> but, uh, you know, my point is it's spreading, you know, and, and it's heartbreaking. And we can't look away. We have to, we have to act like we're in a situation that we can change because we can change this, right? Love always wins, as I say every week. You know, the birds are still singing. The sun came up today and we all deserve to bask in that sunlight and that love and that feeling of peace and comfort. Every child should go to bed with a full stomach, you know, in, in, in a safe, clean house. Being loved and protected, you know, getting an opportunity to wake up and learn something and spread joy, you know, and, and make use of their talents. Because that makes us all better. And, and in the midst of all this, like, miasma of, of pain and hatred and, you know, corruption that the GOP is putting on everybody, we're losing progress. We're losing a lot of time that we can't really afford to lose. Right? It's like if you have a Broadway show opening, you have four weeks to rehearse. You can't get distracted for three weeks and then do it all in a week, right? You've lost that time you know, to run lines and, and discover the moments and relationships and intricacies, intricacies of, 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 of your actors, right? And that's sort of what we're losing as a country because we're getting so manipulated by all this hate because they're so much louder on that side of the fence and we're having to put out fires every second that we're not getting to progress and focus on the things we should focus on. You got the pandemic, now you got Roe v. Wade being rescinded. Like how much mental psychic energy is that drawing out of us as a collective people, you know, as, as people that want progress? A ton. It's draining the battery, you know, and pretty soon the car doesn't start. So we have to find ways to recharge ourselves. We have to find ways to come together and, and realize that we all are one people and we share one spirit. You know, we're all the same thing, ultimately. You don't see, you know, in nature, you don't go out there and see like many animals fighting with each other, right? You have different animals on a food chain, right? But they're generally not out there picking on each other and holding grudges, right? Like if you drive your car and a bird has to fly out of the way, the bird doesn't turn around and flip you off after, right? It keeps going. It doesn't hold on to anger and resentment. But as humans, we do, you know, and humans like me, I'm Irish and I'm a recovering alcoholic. So I can hold on to a resentment forever. It fuels me, but it's poison, you know? And in the big book, which is a textbook of Alcoholics Anonymous, they say, Self-righteous anger is the dubious luxury of normal men, right? So it's not even really good for anybody. It's really bad for you if, if your character defects are sort of energized and charged, 
And, and that's a lot of what this dynamic is, right? They're feeding people resentment, right? And then that triggers your own mentally imbalanced parts, your own anger and rage and, and self-righteousness, right? And, and not in a good way do I mean self-righteousness. And your own self-centeredness is a better way to say that. Your own fears, your own, I'm not going to get mine because this guy's going to come and take it from me. That's what they're selling these people. And these people buy it and then they act on it. Because an 18-year-old kid thinks like, you know, and most 18-year-old teenager boys are, you're already screwed up, right? But you're supposed to smoke pot and go see fish, you know, and go hang out at the beach, meet some girls, you know? And if you're really psycho, you know, go become a boxer or whatever. You know what I mean? If you, you go join the army, if you want to carry that gun around, they'll, they'll teach you how to shoot it, but in an organized, disciplined way. And you might learn some skills you know, and grow out of it or grow into it in a way that it's productive, but you don't take it upon yourself to become some warrior, you know, for a white supremacist militia movement, but that's what they're doing. That's what they're selling. That's what this stuff is. These are dog whistles that they're telling these people and they're not dog whistles anymore. Wrong term. They're political ads. That's what Elise Stefanik campaigned on. That's what Tucker Carlson is saying every night. They're basically telling these kids like other people are coming to take away your way of life and harm you and your family and you better fight back now. Cut to commercial, NRA, AR-15, right? So it all comes together. Politicians promoting it, right? I want an AR-15 like my state, you know, like my senator there in the commercial. And we saw it on January 6th. We saw what it does. We saw what a powder keg that resentment is in white America. Because these are white people, right? They, they get a few minorities in there, right? Because there's always somebody willing to make a buck. Sure, I'll say that, <laughs> you know? That's just human nature. Clarence Thomas is a great example of that, right? You know, you couldn't get a more awful Supreme Court SCOTUS and a more cynical pick, but he happened to be African-American. So H.W. Bush was like, this guy's bulletproof. I get to look like I'm replacing Thurgood Marshall with another black man, but really his wife is more racist than we are. So just, just you know, confirm him, everybody. And they did. You know, I lived in D.C. when when he was confirmed. I used to deliver to the EEOC every day, equal equal and employment equal whatever you know what i mean eeoc right and uh it was no secret that that guy was a scumbag right when the anita hill hearings happened everybody in dc believed anita hill you know it was like now how everybody knows trump is a scumbag it was like anybody progressive minded you know the city paper would write about it like we knew who Clarence Thomas was, but we couldn't do a damn thing about it because he was going to do the bidding of the Heritage Foundation and the conservatives in the Republican Party, right? And they confirmed him. So now he's been on there for 30 years, right? And now he's, you know, he's hectoring the American public that the greatest, you know, besmirchment of the Supreme Court ever was leaking a document that his own goddamn wife probably leaked, right? To lock in the vote with the majority to take away women's rights. 
That's what happens when you don't stand up to this. Look at the damage that guy has done. You know, he didn't open his mouth for 10 years on the Supreme Court. He didn't write a single opinion. He was a placeholder for this moment for when they needed him. He had no interest in jurisprudence and, and you know, promoting the law. He was just there. He'd been paid to be there. I've already talked about how he didn't declare the 700 grand that his wife got from speaking engagements and consulting fees from the Heritage Foundation. So he was there just banking checks, keeping his mouth shut until they needed him to speak up, which is now. And now he's going to take away women's rights and it'll be civil rights next and it'll be gay rights. And it'll be too late, you know, but we're not going to let that happen, but we got to be aware of what's happening and we got to look at it soberly and how dangerous it is. You know, we're democracy's walking a tightrope right now. And, and, you know, when a guy walks a tightrope, they have that bar that they hold to keep their balance. Right. And you got to turn it this way a little bit when the wind comes in from the right and the left. Right. Because there's all kinds of ex external environmental factors that you can't control when you're halfway out there across the wire between two buildings. That's where we're at now. Right. And all these explosions, you know, these mass shootings, you know, the abortion stuff. That changes the balance and they're hoping to knock the tightrope walker off of the wire, right? And democracy is the tightrope walker because the authoritarians want you to fall because then they own the rope, you know, and nobody gets to look brave and they get to call the shots. That, that, that's what's happening, you know, and, th and that's what we have to understand. You know, and I think probably everybody who listens to this podcast does understand it, you know, and it's daunting, you know, it, it's, it's daunting. And it, it's scary how many people are, are willing to sell out their countries because they don't see it as selling it out. You know, they see it as, hey, we're the good guys. We're going to win and I'm going to get rich. Everybody's happy, you know, but nobody's going to be happy. They'll come after everybody's rights. And nobody will get screwed harder than the people that are actually supporting this too. You know, I've said that before, but like people who live in LA and New York city, Seattle, DC, Philadelphia, Boston, like, you know, by and large, they're well-educated, upwardly mobile people, you know, that are working at companies that give them health insurance and all kinds of stuff. The people that are voting for this stuff in Alabama and Mississippi, you know, Mississippi has the highest infant mortality rate. And now their governor, Kate Reeves is telling people they have to have a baby and they can't use contraception, right? How's that going to work out, right? What's that going to do to our future? And that's going to be multiplied and those people are going to suffer. They're going to take away their health insurance. You know, it's white folks on welfare predominantly. They like to use a racist trope that it's, you know, inner city people game in the system. It's not, you know? It's primarily rural white people that are getting screwed. Joe Manchin is screwing West Virginia so hard right now, it's ridiculous. And he's done it his entire career. And somehow he can't be replaced and he can't be stood up to. And the Democratic Party still counts him as a Democrat. He's not a Democrat, you know? The lady from Arizona, Kristen Cinema, is not a Democrat. She's a chaos agent. 
you know, and, and I'll get off this in a minute because I know I've been talking for a while, but your worst case scenario is, is in the next election and there's already signs of it. You get a spoiler, right? So you got the MAGA people, you got Trump saying, I rescinded Roe v. Wade, God forbid. But if it happens, he'll take complete credit for it because he appointed the th- three Supreme Court justices that did it, right? So him and his anointed, you know, next next in line will take that credit, right? The Dems will have to like run against that. And then you'll have another spoiler, right? Jumping on, on the Democratic side and Andrew Yang and Tulsi Gabbard, you know, Bernie's been saying he might run again. You get a third party candidate running, you know, outside of a Democrat and Republican ticket, we're screwed. That All that's going to do is peel away votes from the left. You know, we'll be dead in the water the second that happens. And there's enough narcissists out there that'll jump at that chance. You know, somebody like Andrew Yang, who's not right in the head clearly anyway, will do that, you know, through a cutout like another... He hired another agency. I've talked about this and they reached out to me to tweet about the mayor's race when he was running for mayor. Like, just tweet about the mayor. We'll pay you 250 a week or something. I was like, no, you know, I'm not doing that. And they said, why? We'll double it. Is it the money? And I'm like, no, it's the morality. I'm not going to do that. I know who's asking you to ask me to do this. I'm not going to help that guy win. He's got no business being New York City mayor. He doesn't want to, you know, better the Democratic Party. He's his his own narcissism. And what did he do? He lost the race. And the next day he started his own party, said, I'm not a Democrat anymore. I'm the forward party or whatever the hell he's calling it. So get a psycho in there. Even if he's not popular, he'll do a lot of damage. He'll be a fly in the ointment, you know, like we haven't seen before. So anyway, enough of that. Hey, that guitar I was playing, that's called a craviola. It's got a nice like trebly sound to it and that was bill withers preferred instrument the great bill withers who i got to work with when he was inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame i worked with his son who was kind of like his manager that weekend and you know got to hang with bill who was just you know one of our great songwriters passed away obviously but um just you know a wonderful spiritual man and it reminded me of uh a story that Graham told me, Graham Nash. He was recording one time, Graham was with CSN and like Sunset Sound or something. And he hears this beautiful like voice coming from another studio. You know, Graham's in Studio A and Studio B or something. It might've been Capitol Records. He hears this sound, you know, and he's just like, who is this? And he wanders into a room and it's Bill Withers in there by himself, like singing his song or something. And Graham starts to talk to him. And it's like, man, you're amazing. You know, like this, who are you? Like, this is incredible. And Bill's like, yeah, you know, I don't know if I'm going to, you know, make it. It's just not working out for me. Like he was really discouraged and stuff. You know, he, he obviously had some label support, but, uh, you know, it wasn't really working out. And Graham was blown away and sort of did his best to sort of champion Bill a little bit more. And Bill ended up getting a hit. Not Graham, not saying Graham has credit for that, but like, you know, Graham sort of is good at picking out talent and walked in at the right time. And so like, no, you got something special, man. Keep going, keep going with this, you know? And we all know, you know, the, the, the achievements of Bill Withers, you know, you can count on me, you know, one of the most, you know, 
sort of deepest, simplest songs ever. You know, Ain't No Sunshine When She's Gone. That's some bluesy stuff right there, you know. Guy was, you know, guy was a realist about the human situation. And he, he had no BS about him, you know. He, he once said, I was the, I was the, he was from like the deep South, you know, Mississippi or somewhere like that, moved to LA. He goes, I was the first celebrity I ever met. <laughs> he was right. When he became, you know, famous, he was like, I was the, I was the first celebrity I ever met. He was outside of the system and then basically retired. And when he got inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame, this was not too many years ago, probably around 2015 or something. He gave his speech and he was like, yeah, everybody's like, where have you been? You know, you haven't been doing anything. He's like, I have, you know, I've been watching like judge, you know, whatever, like judge, not judge Judy, but you know, whatever the daytime like shows are. He's like, no, I've been watching, you know, people's court, people's court is good. It was just funny, you know, but a deeply talented man who had a, had a great, uh, great career and a great contribution. And uh, so that's why I got this guitar, because I, I admire Bill Withers so much. And this is this is a, a Japanese copy. It's made by Westbury. I actually got this in Albany, New York, which is why I picked it up, because I was thinking about upstate today. And it's made in the uh, Matsumoko factory in Japan, for any of you who know what that is. Probably none of you do, but it was a legendary factory that made a bunch of instruments under all kinds of different brand names in the 60s and 70s and 80s and i collect them and many other people do because they're just remarkable instruments and i have a few of them that i'll bring out so you know that's the one for today that's the instrument i want to talk give a shout out to chrissy everett who just finished her her chemo and uh chrissy everett the great tennis player you know i worked on the u.s open for 12 years i don't talk about that often but i did the opening and closing ceremony for 12 years with a production company. It was my regular gig at the end of August, early September. It's where I got to know Billie Jean King, who's one of the most baddest people on the planet. I think I told you guys about her 75th birthday party or 70th birthday party we had a few years ago. She was the last one there dancing, you know, when uh, Cindy Lauper was singing like girls just they, the DJ put on girls just want to have fun and like Cindy Lauper got out on the dance floor and started rocking out and Billie Jean and her partner wife were just dancing and taking selfies with everybody and the last people to leave but every year the best part about the US Open was seeing Billie Jean King you know she just she kind of was the obviously sort of the queen of that place you know the spirit in many ways a usta she's still vital and alive but i don't do the show anymore that's the only reason for the past tense but one night you know it, i was sitting there and, and billy sort of had this like you know how you doing how's everybody doing you know and not just like to the the tennis players and the celebrities but to the ticket takers and the ushers and all this stuff and i remember one night what I would do is like, if you saw Aretha Franklin singing the national anthem or something at the beginning, that's the part I worked on, like the pre-show, you know, somebody would come and sing an anthem and they'd have a color guard or something, which is the military flags and stuff, you know, and then you do the tennis match, but then you'd take the celebrities up to this suite, you know, and they'd have lobster rolls and watch a tennis match. Right. So I did that opening closing ceremonies. So one year it was like the closing ceremony. It was a men's match like Nadal and Federer or somebody, you know, Djokovic, I think, and Nadal or somebody. And it went on forever, right? 
it was like 1.30 in the morning and I had to go to Boston the next day for a gig. And uh, I was just exhausted. And you get sick of sort of sitting in the suite, just watching it. Like, uh, you know, tennis is fun, but I'm not a super big tennis guy. So, you know, as you guys probably guess. But anyway, uh, so I go sit down outside of the suite and I'm just sitting on the ground. I just wanted to get away from like, you know, the people I was working with and I'm sitting on the ground and all of a sudden coming down the hall is Billie Jean and Chrissy Everett. And I start to get up because, you know, respect, right? I'm only sitting there like slouching on the ground and I get up and Billie Jean's like, no, sit down. You've been working hard all night. Stay down. In just such a loving motherly way, you know, and Chrissy gave me that smile that just lights up a room, you know, one of the most beautiful people and athletes you'll ever see. And as Chrissy passed me, I look up and there's the big flag, like with Chrissy's face on it. They have this like hall of champions, you know, and they have these big banners, you know, 50 feet tall or whatever. This is Arthur Ashe stadium. And I see Chrissy's face, you know, on this thing, just as she passes me. And I was like, oh, that would have been the best selfie in the world. <laughs> you know, like I should have taken her picture next to this thing. Obviously I didn't, but it, I always think of that moment because it was just pure love coming off of those ladies. And Billie Jean was wishing, you know, Chrissy a speedy recovery and she just finished her treatment. So I'm wishing her the same that just came to mind. So I figured I'd share it. I'm getting ready for my shows, folks. June 6th, nope, June 7th and 8th, I'm going to be at City Winery. Tuesday night, June 7th, I'm going to be at City Winery Loft in New York City. And June 8th, I'm going to be in Philly. I'm going to go off on Dr. Oz and all them fools. So come on out. It's going to be a good time. Got a couple of good openers. And then August 3rd, I'm going to be at the Music Room in Cape Cod. So come check me out. Get a t-shirt if you want. I sell them at the shows. I sell them online. If you don't, don't get one. It's no big deal. I'm not doing this for the money. I'm doing it for the laughter, the light, and the truth. So guys, thank you so much for listening. I know this hasn't been an easy one to listen to. Every week, I'm like, I'm just going to go on there and tell some fun stories and make everybody laugh. And then every week, something blows up. And I can't ignore it. You know what I mean? I can't just tell you some road stories when this is happening. I got to say what's in my heart, you know, whether it's funny or not. You know, it's true. It's real. It's where we're at. This is how we heal. We talk together, you know, and this is how we move forward. So thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for listening. I hope you guys all have a wonderful week. This is episode 63 of the Noel Kastler podcast. Until then, peace.